0: I'm an independent podcaster, and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: Well, I was going to say, I feel like just for us, I feel like Jurassic Park has been a big part of our friendship. It has. Mostly the Halloween, (laughs) our Halloween adventures, because you're, I I want to to hear about, or maybe if you wanted to talk about, your dressing up as Camilla Bell's yeah. character from The Lost World.
3: Yeah. It was actually your 21st birthday, we decided to throw a Jurassic Park party. Yeah. And all of my friends, like, my roommates had made dinosaur costumes out of um, sweaters. Like, my my old roommate, Monica, like, went full Spanx and made, like, a really intricate kind of Stegosaurus costume that literally took her five minutes to make, <laughs> Um, But I just remember like panicking and panicking and being like, I don't want to be at least like there were so many like good characters being filled up and I knew there was going to be about 20 Ian Malcolms, but I had this idea like the little girl, like I have a white dress. I know how to do my hair like that. And I know how to be just like bemused with wonderment. And then I decided like, well, what if we take this a step further? And like, what happens to her after the copy's attacked her? So I just covered myself in red paint and I have used that costume for about three other Jurassic park theme parties, or or I guess two others. There was three in total, so...
0: Yeah, I just remember now there was also a Cinco de Mayo yeah. Jurassic mm-hmm. park theme party that you had.
3: Yes, and Adriana also had a dinosaur party, too, that just became a Jurassic Park party.
0: I mean, naturally. <laughs> yeah. But... Why was there? Why did we have a Jurassic Park Cinco de Mayo? I
3: was living with some guys on Sunset who were going to throw a very racist Cinco de Mayo party, and that that bugged me. So I said, like, what if we do a Jurassic Park Cinco de Mayo party?
0: Is, so Jurassic Park was responsible for stopping at least that, that there, racism. it,
3: it got kind of racist there was a couple like there was some there were some mustaches like but it was it was much better than it could have been so
0: there was also a goat
3: there was a goat
0: that was so <laughs> so bizarre that person dressed up as the goat, goat from Jurassic Park
3: I think like I don't know I feel like the most inside baseball it like, would be like the DNA and maybe a frog like if you could do a couple's costume <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. How would you do a Mr. DNA costume?
3: I, you could just do, like, we're all blacks and dots. I don't know. Like,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess that would work. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I just realized this episode's going to come out on Halloween, or, like, around Halloween, Halloween. So, perfect. So, yeah.
3: We could, I'll throw out more costume suggestions. Yeah, as, yeah, like, You but could I, be the snake from The Lost World. You could be... Ooh, yeah.
0: <laughs> what was I going to say about the Halloween costume? Yeah. Have you... Have people... When people ask you what you are, like, is that, like... Do you go through the full, like... I found something.
3: um, I normally do. And like some people are really excited about. Other people are like, you're cheating. Um, But most people are like, really, like if you say a couple lines, I just remember I was making a drink and like, there's not enough to go around for everyone. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm just going to use this as a platform to advocate. Like if you're going to throw a theme party, just throw a Jurassic Park theme party.
0: One, two, three, four. Filled with odd frights. See Jurassic Ride with an amber light. See Jurassic Ride, see Jurassic Wright, Ride, ride, ride. See Jurassic Ride, ride, ride. See Jurassic Ride, ride, ride. See Jurassic Wright, ride, ride, see Jurassic Ride, see, see, see Jurassic Park. Welcome back to See Jurassic Ride, right, a podcast about Jurassic Park and you. I'm your host, Stephen Ray Morris. Today's episode is all about The Lost World, Jurassic Park, the sequel to Jurassic Park. Yes, something has survived, and we are covering the 1997 film, the only other Jurassic flick directed by Steven Spielberg. Let's call this a close reading. You just heard my friend Annie share with us her history of Jurassic Park parties and how it has been a constant theme throughout our friendship. It seems appropriate that we're talking about this during the month of October, and we will also feature an appropriately trippy rewatch tale from poet Jessica Uncle, whom you've heard from before, later in the show. But first, some stats and a little background info to brush up on. The Lost World, Jurassic Park, was released on May 23, 1997, in the United States, an emblem entertainment film released by Universal. It was directed by Steven Spielberg with a screenplay by David Kep, based on the 1995 novel by Michael Crichton. It was executive produced by Kathleen Kennedy. The film was shot by Yanis Kaminsky, edited by Michael Kahn, with sound designed by Gary Rydstrom. It features a score by John Williams, with visual effects by Industrial Light and Magic. And it starred Jeff Goldblum, Julian Moore, Vanessa Lee Chester, Vince Vaughn, Richard Skiff, Pete Possuit, Arliss Howard, Peter Stormer, Harvey Jason, Thomas F. Duffy, Thomas Rosales Jr., Camilla Bell, Richard Attenborough, Arena Richards, and Joseph Mazzello. I first saw it in theaters in 1997 with the fam uh, at Cinemopolis, which you can hear a detailed account of in episode one. For today's close reading of four key scenes from The Lost World, not only was I joined by my friend and editor, Annie Wilkes, whom we've just heard from up top, but also talented photographer and friend, Megan Baker. While Annie's Jurassic Park origin story began with the original, as you heard in our previous episode, Megan's love of Jurassic Park was intertwined with the sequel, almost inseparable from each other.
4: I first saw Jurassic Park probably in like 1999. I would have been about seven years old. Uh, And I very specifically remember it because I was staying with my dad at the time And he had the VHS of the movie because it had come out a while ago. And I guess he thought I was old enough to see it at seven, which I think is true because I loved it. He showed it to me. I freaked out. I couldn't believe that this was a movie, that this existed. It was something I'd never seen before. And right when the movie ended, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I love this movie. I I love it. And he says, there's another one. And I in shock and awe cannot believe that there would be another (laughs) Jurassic Park movie and my dad leaves the house goes to Blockbuster rents Lost World Jurassic Park gets a pizza and comes home and I watch Lost World so when my first experience with Jurassic Park is also I'd say my first experience with Lost World
0: whoa that's cool (laughs) like you like it was like So that day, watch Jurassic Park then...
4: In a night, I saw both movies.
0: That's really cool.
4: And also, I think that's why I love Lost World so much because I don't differentiate them as strongly as most people do. I didn't have a... I didn't have a downtime in between to be like, to ruminate on Jurassic Park and think about, wow, this movie's groundbreaking, what it does in terms of visual effects and and characters, you know, Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant, it's like, well, I went from that right to Lost World to... These effects are also amazing. Ian Malcolm is in more of it. And so I I love both those movies. At, I'm afraid to say equally sometimes, just for the, like, the dirty looks I would get. Um, and as I've been older and I, I've watched the movie so many times... I I do agree that Jurassic Park is the better movie in definitely writing and uh, its structures of tension and its groundbreakingness. But I love Lost World. Like I always watch the movies back to back. I don't think I ever would just watch Jurassic Park and not also watch Lost World.
0: Lost World, Jurassic Park, is a quirkier movie than the original in many ways, leaning into its pulpy roots, but also you can feel the filmmakers trying to stretch their muscles, CGI, animatronic, or otherwise. Now that they've brought dinosaurs back to life on the big screen, what do you do with them? If it's a fight for survival, then who exactly are you fighting for? It's family, of course. This is a Spielberg film, after all. But both Annie and Megan share their insights into why this dinosaur sequel has its own share of tricks up its tiny little T-Rex arms. So without further ado, let's dive in. You were right and I was wrong. But also thank God for Sight B. Ian Malcolm stands back. Joke's on you. John Hammond smiles now in bed four years after Jurassic Park saying that there's another island... Life finds a way, as you so eloquently put it. Ian's mouth is just open. I'm in shock about all this. Shouldn't these dinosaurs have, like, kicked the bucket or something? Hammond's, like, gleeful like a little school kid. And (laughs) um, he's like, look, I'm putting a team together. Don't worry about it. Very few people on the ground. Ian's like, who are these lunatics? We got Nick Van Owen. We got Eddie Carr. We got a paleontologist. And I was hoping you might be the fourth, because now's the time to act. A British family on a yacht cruise uh, attacked a little girl. She's fine. Wow, you went from capitalist to naturalist in just four years. That's that's something. And then John Hammond's like, this is a chance at redemption. Um, no fucking way, John. Um, but who's this paleontologist? She came to me. You didn't contact Sarah, did you? Ian Malcolm's like, shit, he contacted Sarah. And he's like, it's too late. She's already there. You're trying to call her. It's a waste of time. Sense hardly the word. She couldn't be restrained. She'll be fine. She knows what she's doing. Ian Malcolm is inconsolable. It's not a research expedition, it's a rescue mission, and it's leaving right now. You know, you get it. Wow. <laughs>
3: John Hammond's such
0: a dick. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I've the machinations of my plotting have. <laughs> like, uh, I ch-
3: I actually wrote something about that. Where like, what did I write? Um, hand an ultimate rich a hole. Uh, the point is like basically so he could create an like a PR campaign so he can regain control of his company.
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> but I lo- like I that's
0: love that. So true, yeah. I
3: love that scene. It's
4: the info dump scene. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's where they're gonna set the stage because
0: like how you were saying earlier like you know pointing out that it's like this is the movie where Malcolm has to be kind of the straight man and so this is our first real scene with him where you kind of see that like he in the first movie it's like he's just there to like prove everyone wrong and he could give a crap but now it's like he his whole family is like not family but like you know his more livelihood is more embroiled in this conflict so it's like He kind of has a whole different... I mean, he's almost like a whole different character in this
4: movie. I kind of disagree because I thought it was interesting that you used the word straight man because, I mean, it's impossible for Jeff Goldblum to be the straight man. No, of course. Like, he's inherently quirky and neurotic and lively. And that's one of the reasons why I love Lost World is I love that he's the main character because he is still being that kind of like big slightly obnoxious pompous like very smart guy who's like now gets to have like be the hero which in very few movies would that ever be the case and he's i think he is the same character i think he does have greater stakes but he's still very wise cracking like even in that scene with Hammond he's throwing out jokes like his sputtering as he realizes that you only listed three people, like, who's the fourth person that's going? Oh, you sent my ex-girlfriend to the island? Like, that's that's still such Ian Malcolm. He's still, he doesn't dial it down. It's not dialed down at all. I think it's still a big performance and getting to be that broad character but it happens to also just be the lead and like also be delivering all the important dialogue and everything you need from the
3: film. From the film,
4: yeah. I feel
0: like it, it's the scene that really begins the movie to me. It's like it sets all the stakes. Yeah, it kind of
3: it introduces her character. It gives you a really great framework for who Sarah is. And I, I don't know. I I love the like again going back to the whole like this movie is it's a it's a it's a movie about babies, but like she her research is literally about here are these vicious creatures, but they really just are mom and dad. Like, it's, um, she had, like, Sarah has that line later, like, I think the debate about parenting in carnivores or t- parenting in T-Rex is now academic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, that, it does set everything up super, super well, but as far as, like, you, t- what's interesting to me is you hear about, like, Ian Malcolm's backstory about where he is. Like, he's viewed as a crockpot, he doesn't get any money at all, it's kind of implied engine is suing him because he spoke to the press after signing an NDA agreement. Yeah. So why is he buddy-buddy with Hammond right now? Yeah, I
0: yeah, know. Why did he? I mean, I guess he was summoned. Yeah. I think they mentioned he was uh-huh, summoned. summoned.
3: But he's treating him like they, there's a very friendly vibe between them in that room. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, other people who went through the similar thing. You know, you kind of, Uh I mean, they, you know, they bonded down in that Uh bunker.
3: They did. They did. No, he was on drugs the entire time. He was on very heavy drugs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like there's that love hate relationship between them. Mm -hmm. That You know, I, it it was nice to see them together again. And again, it's that idea of like, it's an interesting way to start a movie where you're like, we have this other Island, like how are we going to get people there? And it's just interesting that it's, it is like it's not really a rescue mission, obviously. It's
3: it's totally not. It's Jeff Goldblum, like kind of like swinging into action, which. Like I keep talking about the relationship, but I find it very interesting when they do get to the island and he's like, "Okay, I came. I rescued. Now it's time to go. And she says, like, it's not a rescue, like not so explicitly, but it's not a rescue mission. I'm doing my job. I don't need you to rescue me. I need you to show up to dinner like I need you to not stiff me when I'm supposed to meet your parents.
0: (laughs) No, because this is probably the first time he's ever he seems like somebody who wouldn't go out of his way to yeah. do something for mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah, it's else. just more of, like, whatever fits his needs. Uh-huh. So, And I do like the scene a lot because it really is two men talking about a woman. Yeah. You know, which uh-huh. is, like, you know, for looking at, like, the Bechtel test or things like that, it's, like, it's, you know, this is, like, yeah, the reverse first- one. It's, like, how many scenes in movies are are talking about are two men talking about women that doesn't involve their looks yeah what do, oh is that like the is this the sarah harding test
3: yeah oh my oh god. god where it's all about her capabilities
0: and. yeah and about yeah. how she like
3: and her capabilities and accolades where yeah, yeah just we so. need
0: to start looking at movies and see uh-huh. see how many yeah. other movies fit this bill mm-hmm. i feel like congo is probably gonna fit yeah that. You know, people talking about Laura Linney's character. character.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I find it interesting that also the way, if you view this conversation as why they're doing the movie, where it's like, we have site B, this is literally the factory floor. And I've tried to keep it away from meddlers, but we have to go back to preserve it. Like if you put that in the context of this movie where like Steven Spielberg he has, he, this is the only sequel he's done, right? Or has he done others?
0: Uh, I mean, other than the Indiana Jones. Yeah. Movies. Okay. Yeah. But like, Yeah.
3: Yeah. But as far as, like, I need to, like, people are going to discover this at some time. It's going to get taken away from me out of my hands. I'm going back and, and, like, trying to stop it. And, do like, if I do a good job and get people's sympathies, it'll stay with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you got to be, I mean, because clearly the stakes of this movie didn't matter as much because, like, Jurassic World opened anyway. Yeah. You know? Uh So it's sort of, in a way... InGen sort of, you know, evil InGen yeah. sort of wins, you like, know? I thought
3: about that at the closing of this movie, where, like, this, it's, yeah, Ludlow wins, like, he gets eaten by a baby T-Rex, but, like, he still wins.
0: Yeah. And, I
3: don't know, going back to, like, our alternate, like, our side movies in the Jurassic World, like, I want a political thriller about just why Costa Rica signed up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, we thought he was making a, a, you know, a resort, you know, yeah. for families. Yeah, like before,
3: like, okay, you know those five islands, what do we call it? Uh, five deaths? Yeah, like just lease it. Like, what are they doing there? Like, they're paying their paying their bills on time is what they're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and also they've never, you know, there's never been a follow-up of, like, where are there still dinosaurs on Site B in yeah. the Jurassic, you know, by the mm-hmm. time Jurassic World comes out? There
3: has out. to be. There's, yeah. no, there's no way, like, you... Like, I trust Engine and they're skilled hunters. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no way they were able to... Like, they killed... Those raptors killed a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, Claire is like, you know, when she's the manager for... You know,
3: yeah. For
0: Jurassic World, she's probably like, we should probably keep an eye on those other dinosaurs uh-huh. too, just in case. Yeah.
3: I'm sure maybe it's like, um, Sorna is just like, we don't go there. And Engine has to pay Costa Rica all the money. And maybe they're just like, hey, hey, you know, be really cool. If, like, we bioengineered the dinosaur, then we made you even more money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And
3: I guess it's been 10 years, and I don't know how many, like, besides, but you hear local legends in Lost World about how, oh, the fishermen won't come here at night. There was one guy who, like, got too close, and he, like, never came back. Yeah. So, like, people have been disappearing on this island. It's just not people of, like, quote-unquote note until, like, they attack a little rich girl.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Dad, what's that sound, says Kelly. She looks out from the trailers out onto the ocean. Tons of helicopters flying over onto Isla Sorna. Ian comes out. He's like, uh, my daughter escaped to the island and I want to take her home. Says in, it's the engine on the side of the chopper. I don't get away with him. It's in two teams, squealed Eddie. Uh, Carr, who's you know their f- field expert, cut the umbilical cord, dad, mutters Kelly as she tries to loosen her grip from Ian's hand. Everyone's confused. They see engine choppers, all kinds of Jeeps, all kinds of traps. What's happening? Vroom, vroom. All the green trucks race out onto the plains. Peter Ludlow, Hammond's nephew who's taking over InGen, makes a call to set up base camp as he's he's in the back of a Jeep. Uh, But Roland Tembo has other ideas. This is a game trail. Do you want to set up base camp or a buffet? Ludlow nods, making the only good business decision in the movie, frankly, but Roland's got a little bit more to say.
4: Peter, if you want me to run your little camping trip, there are two conditions. First, I'm in charge. And when I'm not around, Dieter is. All you have to do is sign the checks, tell us we're doing a good job, and open your case of scotch when you have a good day. Second condition, my fee. You can keep it. All I want in return is my services, is the right to hunt one of the Tyrannosaurus, a male, a buck only. How and when is my business? Now, if you don't like either of those conditions, you're on your own. Go ahead, set up base camp right here, or in a swamp, or in the middle of a rex nest, for all I care. But I've been on too many safaris with rich dentists to learn that there are any more suicidal ideas, okay?
0: Okay. Vroom, vroom. The trucks, the jeeps, the cycles leap and fly, catching up with their menagerie of herbivores. But Roland's got trouble figuring out which is which. He's flipping through a laminated copy of The Dinosaurs of the Lost World, and he's telling Dieter to go after the Pachycephalosaurus, but settles for calling it Friar Tuck. We also see Parasaurolophus, Gallimimus, as motorcycles weave in and out, Ludlow seeing future prophets collapse with glee. Now Dr. Robert Burke and other guy get out of the jeep to give the skinny on the Pachycephalosaurus, pulling out the slideshow presentation, you get it. So as the group of hunters... Uh, surround the creature, trying to rope it in. Burke says its spine lines up perfectly with its distinctive dome skull, so okay. it can absorb large impacts. And whoa, look at it go directly into the door of that jeep, sending men running in all directions. Vroom, vroom. The jeep has got claws. And in a stunning display, they capture the packy. Now Nick Van Owen pops up with the rest of the gang, watching these herbivores run from the InGen hunters. Again, Roland can't be bothered to pronounce anything. Um, and his man Dieter just laughs, shoots it with, a trank, but the distressed which is sad because the <laughs> parasolophus is one of my favorite dinosaurs um the distressed uh, para tries to fend off the hunters but they manage to yank it down violently and kelly ian sarah eddie and nick they look onward fully understanding what InGen intends to do with these dinosaurs and that's to take them off the island the thing that i feel like rewatching the scene now it's like oh they're just like a rich it's that thing where like when you see somebody who's like bought all new camping equipment and they're, like <laughs> they're just they have too much stuff yeah. and it's like it's like five guys to like br- there's like five guys per dinosaur and mm-hmm. it's like it's it's so um it's just like excessive you yeah. know and it's so interesting the way that like spielberg kind of paints it as like You know, these are guys coming in, they're hunters. Like, I'm sure that they... But they're. I feel like almost all of them are, like, people where they're like, yeah, this company's paying us to go capture dinosaurs. Yeah, Yeah, right. And so they all kind of, like, sign up. And it's like they have access to, like, the best toys in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's like they're so... They're still like kind of out of their depth in it's a weird, weird way. But
3: yeah, and especially like they only have one paleontologist with him, who I appreciate. Like he looks like a paleontologist.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His oh, I can't. I'm gonna I
3: can't up. remember his name either. I, know, um, I don't he, he meets his end because he's scared of snakes. <laughs>
1: oh, oh no, no, oh, no! Oh,
3: I'm thinking
0: that um, doctor, doctor Robert Burke, yes. the paleontologist, because that's such a great moment in the in this whole sequence where he. It's like again, it's still like. Jurassic Park has always has this educational element. And I love that these guys are like, well, then the Pachycephalosaurus, like the spine aligns and then they just show it. And it's just like, oh, it's so satisfying.
4: I also feel like he's the audience surrogate for all the like nerds in the audience are like, yeah, duh, that's what it does. Like, well, these people don't know anything. And then they get their character who's like, yeah, you guys don't know anything.
0: Yeah. And then even having later in the film, having Sarah Harding and robert burke like arguing of being like different paleontologists and stuff it's like such a like like yeah it's such a nerdy like nod of like paleontologists like arguing with each other about something you know
4: (laughs) he's also the most stereotypical looking paleontologist like (laughs) they're like oh what if he has a really long beard and he looks like he's just been in utah for 10 years (laughs) yeah (laughs) like like
0: wearing like like, Native American jewelry and, like, a cowboy hat, like...
4: <laughs> yeah, someone who's
3: just been on the reservation too long <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking yeah. for dinosaurs. Yeah. It's one of those things where they have more money than they have experience, where it seems like Peter postwaite's character of... Why am I blanking on his name? Um,
0: Roland Tembo.
3: R- r- yeah, tem- like, Tembo and Dieter and AJ, who... AJ never gets super developed to the point where, like, I forget he's a character until... Tembo sad about like Asia didn't make it at the end yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like those see everyone else is just like a for hire guy they maybe picked up on one of the bigger islands maybe a couple like from other teams and other jobs yeah but it's clearly like oh they literally have more money than experience
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no their only paleontologist is Dr. Robert Burke yeah who is modeled off of a paleontologist just, yeah. but yeah he I know he's like this person's like a carnivore and he's just, idiot you know like <laughs> and I just love Yeah, there's that sort of um, within the hunters, there's that sort of like practicality versus the like just sort of having Mm -hmm. unlimited resources
3: Mm -hmm. and that
0: ultimately, uh, you know, not mattering in the end. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many resources you have because eventually they all end up with nothing. Mm -hmm.
4: That scene, I think, is great because of the monologue. Uh, Postlethwaite. Yeah, yeah. uh, Gives the best, the best. Written piece of dialogue in the whole movie, and maybe my favorite in the entire series. Like, there's great one lines in Jurassic Park, but that monologue I think is fantastic. And that's why you get the Postlethwaite. Yeah. One my, one of my favorite things about that monologue is the last line citing the rich dentists on safari. And then, you know, a few years ago, we had uh, Cecil the Lion, who was shot in Zimbabwe by a rich American dentist. Uh, and it's one of those of like, I think we think about safari in, like, in a more humane way. We think of, like, oh, people just go on safari and they hang around and, like, you see animals. But I think this is a really great visualization of, like, what a safari looks like is that you go and you... These people get a guide to take them into the middle of a gorgeous place and they, like, shoot animals. And I think it's, like, a grand visualization, but a very clear visualization of something that, like, we don't really see a lot. Especially now that it's gone so out of style that it's something that, like pretty much we don't think about went past like the 1950s of people, you know, shooting animals and putting them up as mantles. Yeah. Uh,
0: Well, it's like, could you even do a character like Roland Tembo now and have him be imbued with like, we, we are so sympathetic. We do enjoy his character, even though he's a hunter.
4: We still got rich dentists who. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who we shooting. So there's, there's still guides. Like, I think it's one of those of like, I mean, I think there are still ways to make those characters sympathetic. I just think about as someone who listens to who, a lot of like uh, African news and stuff like that, the most clear thing is that like they, I've been swayed slightly on safaris just because it empl- it uh, employs so many locals. And so I think you could make a character of Tembo if it was like someone more local to the area. Like say someone's been living on that island and like they this is their, like, livelihood as they start, like, bringing in American tourists and, like, if you take, if you stop them from letting him do this, like, then he loses his job kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's like the guys at the beginning of JP3. Yeah. The dinosaur <laughs> the boat tours. Like, this is their
4: job. Like yeah. So, I think there's still ways to, like, make people sympathetic in that way, but, like, that old school British hunter that, like, uh, Tembo's character feels like he came out of uh, and I don't know; it's not the same actor. Uh, Jumanji, yeah, that that uh, like early nineteen hundreds, uh, yeah, you said noble hunter, like British colonialist, uh, that's who that feels like. It's yeah. like from another bygone era, yeah, a bygone era of man, yeah. And also, I mean, King Kong. Like, it's been a while since I've seen the OG King Kong. Yeah, I know me too. Uh, and but they similarly go to an island and do not know what to expect, like half of the people on there, like, don't really know that they're going to a uncharted island with, like, pygmy natives that, like, are cannibals. Like, yeah. they're like, wait, what? We're just filming a movie. Yeah. It's
3: funny, because, like, I think in the original script, Nick Van Owen died. I think he was killed by raptors, but they... I don't know why he could have died very... Maybe they're just like, oh, this is a downer. Let's keep him around. Yeah. But I think, like, there's no way Tembo, like his evil goes unpunished yeah. other than the fact that like he brings this, sort like there is something very compassionate weirdly about him. Like he goes and he like helps Sarah, like, he pulls Sarah and our buddies up from when they're dangling from a cliff. He, for the most part cares about his team. He, is upset, like, when there is a loss of life on his team. He goes and looks for Dieter, his son, (laughs) when he's missing. (laughs) Um, And is willing, like, he cares about getting the people off the island. It's just that scene where he has with uh, Vince Vaughn's character, Nick, about, like, why do you hunt? Like, what? And he tells the story about Everest. Like, I don't do it to die in Everest. I do it to live. Like,
0: You know, maybe the way he gets punished is that his evil perpetuates more evil by having the t-rex live mm-hmm. and then causing the incident in san diego yeah and so, it's especially
3: yeah. like he the when he says like when he's upset and Peter saying, like we've lost almost everything on this trip but because of you engine like we we're fine we like let's start printing the money now yeah and he's just like my friend died like what the fuck is wrong with you a lot of good men died and you're happy that like you stole a baby <laughs> yeah yeah
0: the company of death, death uh-huh yeah yeah
3: but I don't know, um, it's which is really funny because engines logo like when they're getting out of the communication happen. What is it like engine? Um We make your future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, We make the future. Sure, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, I guess the dinosaur reveal scene is really the stegosaurus. Yeah. yeah. That's the first thing. But it's just interesting that in this scene, it's like you almost see it through the hunter's eyes of like, oh, like the the way that Spielberg shows the dinosaurs it's like all right like what is their function you know yeah. gonna, you know I like that we get a like the little stop l- the break. lesson yeah, of like le- this
3: is how this dinosaur works and it's just like that's such clean storytelling yeah. uh, like an economic and just getting the payoff of them ramming the car
0: The Lost World had a lot of dinosaurs moments that have never been sort of used again in uh-huh. Jurassic Park movies and so it's like you want to see the Pachycephalosaurus again because it makes such a impact (laughs) Uh, get out of here um when i talked to my friend lucy in the dinosaurs episode Mm -hmm. it was all about how the dinosaurs function as storytelling like as their roles in the storytelling whether it's characters or just narrative functions and it's like this scene with the hunters is so it's really all about the collective of these dinosaurs and sort of the you know, because the end, the scene ends with everybody with like really bummed out.
3: And it's funny what you said about the wonderment of dinosaurs with Stegosaurus. In the making of, like, they address that it, like it's not going to have the same impact because people have seen dinosaurs already. And I think what this scene does is it gets you to care about the dinosaurs again by subjecting them to a large amount of cruelty. Yeah. But it goes from like you have that moment where in the Stegosaurus scene where um, Vince Vaughn, Eddie Carr, played by Richard Skiff, um rest in peace to T-Rex is good as all man. Yeah. Uh, and Sarah are just an odd by the st- stegosaurus and they're so majestic. And Ian Malcolm is like, Ooh, ah, that's what it starts with in the running and the screaming. Yeah. So it's like, it undercuts it because like the, like the filmmakers know as an audience, like we've seen this before, it doesn't quite have the magic, but when you pair that, like within three minutes of like, Oh, Oh, you you care about them now that they're getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no. Spielberg definitely plays off that dynamic a lot more it's like not that they're just animals in this movie mm-hmm. but that there are animals that are capable of both things yeah. and so really he's really like that it's funny because i didn't even think about it that way before until you said it but just the idea of him constantly re like spielberg is constantly playing around with your affections mm-hmm. with how you should feel about the dinosaurs yeah
3: Which goes back to the whole parent, like the parenting metaphor about like you have this beast, and they can seem so cruel, and but deep down, like they're like they're not human, but they're like they're living things, like everything else. They have instincts. I I like in earlier in the film when Nick Owen talks about being a part of Greenpeace
4: and that he was part of all these like peace organizations because that scene of the hunting scene feels the most. not propaganda but in the way that we think of like how people hunt this kind of like mass uh, incarceration and like slaughtering of of animals of like they're just like taking down these like wild majestic animals running through you know the island and just like reducing them down to like things that can be caught and things that can be harnessed and like it's 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 like a heartbreaking and in the way of like even though these aren't real dinosaurs you're just like oh these are things that are being like their freedom is being taken away and like they're being enslaved uh
0: it's like a aspca video. it
4: is it's That's how it feels a lot to me is yeah. that like it's it's like being like this is bad this is so bad
0: Soaked and stressed out, Malcolm enters the trailer while Sarah and Nick are still prepping Junior, the baby Rex. For once in your life, will it kill you to pick up the phone? We gotta get this thing out of here. Shum! The Mercedes-Benz M-Class rolls past and off the cliff. Mommy's very angry. They look out from all sides, trying to see what's going on. The baby Rex cries, and the two T-Rexes roar, coming in on either side. This isn't hunting behavior, Ian. They're searching. They came for the infant. Well, let's not disappoint them. The trio grab the, grab the baby Rex, grab, take the muzzle off, and it makes the most like cute little cry um, as Mama and Papa look on to make sure it's safe. And then finally they let it go, and Ian just calls up Eddie to be like, hey, Kelly, you okay? And she's like a typical teenager, so she's like, yeah, I'm good. Ian and Sarah catch their breath for a moment. Ian, of course, the know-it-all, is like, you know, I beg people to listen to me, I use plain, simple English. Shut up. That should be a magnificent chapter in your book. And Sarah says, I think the debate over the parental aspects of a T-Rex is now academic. Ian's eyes go wide standing still. Hang on. This is going to be bad. Wham! The trailer suddenly turned on the head. Glass, snacks, technology everywhere. The Rexes are attacking the trailer. Bang! Raw! Bang! They're pushing us over the cliff. Oh, God. Nick and Ian push the trailer door, but it's stuck. Sarah realizes it's too late. Hang on to something they all chant as half the trailer swings and slams into the cliffside, the tumultuous ocean hundreds of feet below. Everyone hangs on for dear life, but Sarah loses her grip, tumbling down onto the glass below. The spiderwebs begin to crack as she tries to inch her way to the side. Ian makes his way down, and he urges Nick to, hey, you think you can grab the phone? The glass gets larger and larger. Nick tries harder and harder to grab the phone, but it slips, falling and shattering the glass just as Sarah grabs the pack, which is grabbed by Ian. Chin daggles in the open air. He's like, you're lucky pack. Meanwhile, Eddie Carr races to help his friends. He honks as he gets into the clearing, sees the field empty other than the trailer hanging over the edge. Eddie makes his way to the trio, asking if one want anything other than a cheeseburger. Uh, well, three cheeseburgers. He grabs the rope, throwing it down to Ian, Sarah, and Nick, but realizes he also needs to rope the trailers before they go off the cliff. So he runs back and hooks the Mercedes Benz M Class to the trailer. Then he then then he hooks the rope back. Like then the rope comes undone, and frankly, this is the worst day ever for everyone. But Eddie fights on. He dives into the mud, hooks the trailers, and then he starts to tie the rope back up. But then it gets worse because now his car is going over the cliff. So he gets back in the Mercedes Benz M Class and starts to back up, pulling the trailer, you know, back over the side of the cliff. But something is stopping him. And that's when Mama and Papa T-Rex return. They start to rip up the car. Eddie's still fighting to get the trailer back up the cliff as the dinosaurs rip apart the Mercedes-Benz M-Class around him. He reaches for the gun, but it's stuck. Now fending off the dinosaurs with his foot. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh this early. Then they grab him, flip him for the assist, and rip him in half. Both Rexes getting a meal. The trailer then slides off the cliff. Ian, Sarah, and Nick holding on for dear life to the rope as the explosion below shoots up tires and bits of metal. They climb back with all their might, and who should appear to offer a hand but Roland Tembo and the rest of the hunters? They accept his help for now. Yeah, that is pound for pound one of the best action sequences. (laughs) Uh, One thing that really struck out to me was uh, man, Ian Malcolm's a dick when he's like (laughs) scared. Yeah. This is this isn't, the, you know, and I think that probably originally why a lot of people were let down by Lost World, I imagine, initially, because it's like, again, that thing of putting Malcolm in the role of the straight man. Yeah. And then you're sort of seeing the unflattering side of like
3: being a the sardonic, sexy, like- yeah, the sexy
0: sardonic <laughs> scientist, you know, it's like, OK, well, this is what he's really like, you know. Yeah when, you know, he actually gives a shit uh-huh. about what's happening. You yeah. know, he's invested in the stakes this time versus Jurassic Park. He's like, look at these losers. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. Um, it isn't, a, you know, it isn't until he's injured where he starts to take things more seriously, whereas right off the bat here he's like totally invested. Yeah. Um it's I, I like this scene to me like epitomizes that idea of like, you know, originally this movie, you know, it's the lost world. It's this island that seems untouched by man and it's like And, you know, ultimately that's a false premise, but it's like, it's, it's like you go in here and then now you're like, you've you've upset the balance. Uh And so now people are going to pay for it.
3: Yeah, and it's that whole idea that, like, they establish, like, oh, the carnivores, like, they stick to the middle. They never go to the outer reaches. Now, like, they are – you've pushed their boundary. Like, you force them to, like, okay, you come disrupt me. I am, like, going outside my comfort zone. And I'm just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing.
0: Yeah, you're until right. Until I
3: get to San Diego. <laughs>
0: until I get to San Diego. All disruptions lead to San Diego. Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. But I, I like that scene so much because I think that's the – to me, in my experiences of talking to people about Lost World, that's the only scene that will, anyone will give any like, leeway to it. Of like, oh yeah, that scene's fantastic. Yeah. like That's a masterfully designed scene. Everything else is garbage, but <laughs> <laughs> that scene's great. Yeah. As much as people cite uh, the assistant's death in Jurassic World as being like such a cruel death, his death is pretty cruel. Richard Schiff of like he's trying oh, to Schiff. S- Schiff. sorry. Schiff. Schiff. Oh, okay. Yeah, where he's trying to save his whole team and is torn in half by two
0: T-Rexes. Lading the Tramp style.
3: <laughs> uh <laughs> oh, a West Wing spaghetti. It's as far as just like Eddie Carr is not having a good day at all. Like it's just the slightest like everything that can go wrong does go wrong for yeah. him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, there seems to be this in in the Jurassic Park universe. I think one tool that Spielberg used, and I think has been sort of this kind of tool belt in terms mm-hmm. of like who gets punished in a Jurassic Park movie. There always seems to be at least one sort of quote unquote innocent person yeah. that's always kind of, uh-huh. um, you know. I think in Jurassic Park it's easy for us to root against the lawyer. Yeah. Whereas you know, I think you know if anything this death his uh eddie carr's death scene almost seems to represent more of like the chump who was in over his head yeah that's who's being punished Uh here, or like that's what he's saying with nature potentially that like you know david kept uh uh, the screenwriter like sort of saying that like or attempting this or you know trying to say that like you know it's we stepped into this place without being welcome so Uh uh it'll take anybody
3: Me. as far as that, like, I really just like the, di- I like the dynamic of like Nick, Sarah and Malcolm together where it's, they're all like the, the comedy between them, like where it's just, yes, it's in Malcolm's joke, but everyone gets in on it. Like with the cheeseburger line. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, the, yeah, that they're in this moment of, uh-huh. of, of, crisis and yet they all can work together that way Yeah, to get out. Yeah. And uh-huh. the, um, I mean, my favorite line is just when Sarah is like holding the rope, uh-huh. she's like, hey, <laughs> hey. Like, that to me just makes me laugh so much yeah. because it's just emblematic of like a little bit of like her personality in the sense of, you know, she, she more than, other, even though she went to this island alone, she's also to recognize that there is like, I don't know, value in the system that is around her Yeah. Sort of thing.
3: Uh-huh. And as far as like a sequence where she constantly is getting saved, like it doesn't feel like she's getting saved. It feels just like, oh, series of unfortunate, like ser- like more and more unfortunate events. Maybe it's because it's happening to all three of them, yeah. but yeah. No,
0: but she does get the short <laughs> end of the stick yeah. in, the, yeah. in this scene uh-huh. overall because she's the one that like, because that's the thing I didn't even realize notice is the, the sort of rope problems in threes. But the third yeah. time it's she just slips.
3: Yeah. I think uh-huh. at least that's how yeah. I read it. She, yeah. She like falls down like right after Jeff Goldblum was like, you need to climb faster. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe mm-hmm. she's being punished a little bit too, because she was like the first one that wanted yeah. to go to the island, you know, so uh-huh. there's this and sort it's of
3: the whole idea of again, going back to this idea, like she goes to the island planning to have no impact to just observe, to literally be like, I am a recorder. I'm not going to take anything. I'm not going to leave anything. The minute a baby is hurt, all of that goes out the window, and she kn- like she kn- she's a paleontologist. She knows all the information. Her thesis is that like these are mu- like these are nurturing creatures. They care about it. Like they have paternal instincts, and they'll go to great lengths to protect their baby. Yeah. Like, but her th- whole thing is like, you no, know, I have to fix his leg, or else it's going to die. Yeah. But I don't know. There's that great line when they get back to the camp after this scene, where they're talking about like the animals' rights. And one of the engine guys goes like, "We brought them back from the dead. We gave them life. They have no rights." Yeah. <laughs> Where our like our heroes are very much like no, be, like straight from like Nick Owen and his Earth first to Sarah and her like uh nurturing parenting and nurturing and carnivores theory. it's like they have all like they have the same equal rights as any of us.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just more in, yeah to your point, it's like Spielberg is just sort of. I, th- I don't like. I think he. I think just looking at this film again in this kind of in this sort of the parenting light, it is that like mm-hmm. push and pull of punishment and reward yeah. for the good guys and the, the bad guys. guys. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just as simple as like the good guys are completely heroic and only doing heroic things. Mm-hmm. It's like Spielberg is in ways, without stating it, being like, "Well, Sarah took the baby, so
3: yeah, have to pay, to pay for, me for it." it yeah.
0: That kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it's, yeah. this scene, this scene for me, it's like it feels like the, you know, it's just it's sort of exp- letting those cards play out uh-huh. on the table. Yeah. So uh,
3: it's I don't know, such a good. I love this movie.
0: I mean, I, I think I loved this movie as a kid because I liked this sort of natural world, mm-hmm. like the sort of grit of it in a way. I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and I just enjoyed the. Again, I liked the characters like Nick Van Owen and, and uh, Sarah Harding because they wanted to see they 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 enjoyed the dinosaurs. Yeah. Whereas like Ian Malcolm as a character doesn't enjoy the dinosaurs. So I felt myself connecting more with uh, Sarah Harding and Nick Van Owen uh-huh. and even Kelly more so than people like you know. And that's the thing. It's like there is in this movie there is like a like there is that camp of like people who like dinosaurs and people who don't like dinosaurs (laughs) where in Jurassic Park, it's like everybody is just sort of ready to accept them where there's in this movie. It's like, there's these camps between people Mm -hmm. who like dinosaurs and people who don't. Uh It's like, it's almost like very meta in that way Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, this is the second movie. Like, do you like dinosaurs or do you not, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like with Jurassic world, how it's like they insert their own, like, fanboy into the
3: yeah into
0: the movie sort of comment you know jake johnson's character kind of commenting on the very Mm -hmm. idea of nostalgia yeah and this movie now that i'm thinking about it more it's like there's people who like dinosaurs and people who don't
3: it's the idea of like these are monsters we have to exterminate them or we have like again they're the idea of like do these animals have like because we played god and we're like we're literally their parents we we gave them life yeah like What's our ownership over them? Like, can we can we keep them as pets? Can we kill them for our pleasure? Can we profit off of them? Versus the people who are just like, these are living things, they need to be preserved and we need to leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It just like, and then you know, just to cap the scene ending with like they're hanging on and then all of a sudden it's like the villains like saving them at the very end. It's such a great reveal.
4: And what what makes Postlethwaite's character an even more likable like anti-hero is that he, you know, is willing to save people who are in need, even though they are his enemy. It's it's he's like, I have no hard feelings against you. I'm still going to respect you as a person and save your life. Yeah. Uh but don't let out all my dinosaurs.
0: Yeah. Um The funny thing the funny thing that and maybe this might recontextualize like the the next or the last scene that I want to talk about is that I, I have a feeling that Ludlow is like drunk the whole movie. Because really? Because he, he finds, like, he there's that c- scene right after, like, where he literally is like, ah, ah, and he, like, grabs the, like, he, like, grabs the, like, whiskey off the ground. And he, like, drinks from the flask. And I have a feeling that, like, he might be, like, this alcoholic where he's just like, I'm just going to get drunk because he's like, it's all very thrilling. Like like i almost think that it's like the movie almost not makes more sense or anything but i just think it adds another layer of like it's
4: got a lot of pressure
0: you
1: know
4: talk about pressure from from your uncle
1: selling a little or a lot
2: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: San Diego, home of the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Chargers and InGen. They have a headquarters there, too. And as we arrive at the InGen Harbor, we see fancy black suits and fancy men and women getting out of their limos for an important arrival. Fif- Fifteen years ago, Hammond had a dream. Like Hammond himself, the dream was grand, was outsized, it was bold, it was impractical, it was not meant to be. But half an hour from now, John's Hammond dream, reimagined, will come true. He goes on with this marketing chick for a while. Look, he's got to kill some time before the boat arrives. At the entrance of the harbor, Ian and Sarah show up in a fancy red Corvette. Is this the Ludlow affair? The guard already knows <laughs> their trouble. Tonight we will christen Jurassic Park San Diego. I get Maybe that's my best Ludlow impression. That's when Ludlow notices Ian and Sarah switching gears. I want to thank each and every one of you for being intrepid enough to turn up in the wee small hours of the morning. That's when the engine harbor master, Michael Chiklis' body double, asks Ludlow for, in a low voice to be like, Hey, can you come with like this? Ludlow's like, early. And you know, he just is like, how exciting, which is like the thing that you say when you are like, oh, I hope there's not a problem. And then he sees Ian and Sarah and he's like, tells the guard to come bring them close because he wants to gloat. Ludlow goes and looks at the computer screen inside the, the harbor base. And the harbor master's like, they're going way too fucking fast. This little green dot is just inching closer and closer. And he says, I can't reach them. But he's like, let me try again. But he can't. So knowing what's about to happen, Ludlow blankly and calmly walks back outside. The crowds of bougie people and dock workers suddenly drawn to the morning fog. Ian and Sarah. (laughs) Sarah's like, what's going on? But he like Ian catches on. He's like, we should have stayed in the damn car. The SS Venture slams into the harbor, scattering business people and dock workers alike as Ian and Sarah and Ludlow run from the carnage. Everyone getting back up, they head towards the boat. You okay, Mr. Ludlow, asks the guard. He's like, I don't know, how do I look? Ian and Sarah follow behind as Ludlow makes it back to the deck, the T-Rex's containment in pieces, and the crew all over the place. Grabbing the cargo hold from the death grip of a dead hand, an engine worker hits the button and then... That's exactly how the T Rexes sound in the movie. The male Rex bursts out of the hold and heads directly for the San Diego suburbs. Now you're John Hammond, Ian whispers fiendishly into Ludlow's ear. Sarah gets straight down to business to find out how the dinosaurs tranquilize, but these chumps don't know shit. The thing's a locomotive. And she's like, Where's the infant, doofus? It's safe. Um, Ludlow is, again, in like this almost comatose state. So Sarah's plan is to try and lead the daddy rex back to the boat using the infant as bait. Ian can just be, Ian's like, yep, all right, this is what we got to do. So Ludlow gives up the location of the infant. He's like, man, shit, I'm, I am John Hammond, aren't I? He's having an existential crisis and uh, Sarah and Ian don't have time for the shit. Meanwhile, Papa Rex cruises the suburbs looking for food and drinks. First, he hits up a sweet pool, even gets a dog snack. He spots a little human and his parents arguing, but maybe he'll save them for later. Then it flashes a bright light in its eyes. I don't like the bright lights. Sarah and Ian break into the actually kind of sort of cool Jurassic Park San Diego, grabbing the baby Rex, who's a sweepy little boy. Um, And Ian sort of wonders, uh, aren't you going to be... He's like, when, when he sees, like, cause we took our infant the first time, Sarah's like, who knows? Maybe he'll just be happy to see us. The guards come in. They're like, Hey, what the hell are you doing? And Ian very much like in, you know, like an uh, action hero kind of voice. He's like, we're taking the kid. You really want to stop us? Shoot us. Then Sarah, as they're driving, she's like, how will we know where to find it? And Ian's like, follow the screams. Oh. Ah, a woman that looks like Glenn Close screams. as The T-Rex smashes its way through downtown Burbank. I mean, San Diego. It smashes a bus. It destroys a video store and even eats screenwriter David Kepp. And as Ian and Sarah chase the Rex, they're getting frustrated because the baby Rex is sleepy. And he's like, it's never going to know we have it unless it makes some kind of sound. And then the baby Rex goes. And the uh, daddy Rex looks over and Sarah's like, he knows. And then a 76 ball rolls by. And then the chase is on back to the docks from car onto foot as the baby Rex wakes up and has his adorable little cry echo throughout the streets. Ludlow spots Ian and Sarah running with the baby, and he's calling for his peeps to shoot the adult, but to keep the baby. Duh. Ludlow makes it back in time just to see Ian and Sarah heroically leap off the boat into the water. Where's the infant? And then he hears it down in the hold. He lurks down in there like a predator trying to get Junior to come with him. But then Papa shows up and he's like, Don't you touch me or my son ever again. And he grabs Ludlow by the ankle, crunching it so that his son can learn to hunt for the first time. And he does a splendid job. Sarah grabs the trank and manages to nail the wrecks just before the engine guy blows it away with a machine gun. And Ian helps too by closing the cargo doors. (sighs) What a ride!
4: Spielberg's really great at capturing awe and disbelief and the unimaginable. And so to choose to show that moment of just looking at blank faces, just a sea of people not fully comprehending that or maybe too much comprehending that there is a boat barreling towards them. Uh and like Ludlow and Ian are know what's going on and they're moving away, but everyone can't believe that this is happening. And it's, I like that moment a lot because I think that's the best way to convene that. I think it would have been less interesting if you were, it was a POV of the boat, like coming into shore, like you were, you know, watching the waves crashing forward as the boat moves forward, or you have a speed two situation. <laughs> uh It's really just like a really quiet moment of everyone being like, Oh shit.
0: Yeah. And then it hits And then it end. crashes.
4: I love that scene. I love that moment. It's
0: a great entrance and kind of
4: It kicks it off. Yeah. Uh and I'm always upset that like Nick Owen is gone, like which makes me think I uh, when you say that this was a different ending, it makes me think cuz you always I always ask, what happened to Nick? Cuz he disappears. Yeah. They get off the helicopter presumably and I guess he goes home.
0: Yeah, I mean, because Roland Tembo gets an exit from the story. He does. Yeah, I mean, maybe Nick Van o- and maybe <laughs> what if they, Yeah, what if they just had like cutaways of him like hacking into you know what I mean or something that you know it's like maybe he's helping out in another way that's like off screen that they never.
4: Yeah, they never established what happened to him, and he's yeah. he's on the plane with everybody. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's why it re- to me the the scene like it like to me reinforces a lot of the parenting stuff because it's like you know, uh, in the more like traditional, like nuclear family kind of way where it's like having these two characters who are like dating or in some nebulous form of like, you know, Ian Malcolm says like, we're taking the kid, you know, we're not taking the baby dinosaur. We're taking the child and like, you know, like one parent and like this parent, you know, it's like playing around with a lot of those ideas. And I think maybe for Spielberg and maybe just practical reasons, it's like there wasn't enough for three characters to do stuff.
4: Van Owen's very much the like third wheel to to that unit, yeah, he's yeah. the funny uncle
0: the funny uncle he no you know what he was doing, he was watching Kelly, that's they true, were just playing like board games or something, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what he was that's what I now you know that's canon for me is that Nick Van Owen was like, you know what? I'll hang out with Kelly, like we'll play cards, we'll do whatever, we'll play video games, we'll just hang out.
4: I hope that there's like a a fan art or like side story adventure that someone writes about what the our day <laughs> of Nick Van Owen and Kelly
0: <laughs> uh yeah i want i definitely would love to see fan art of them just like playing pinnacle or something like that. Sega
4: she Yeah, are playing Sega. He would totally let her play Sega. Oh yeah,
0: he would totally let her play
4: Sega. She'd beat him every time.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, they're playing like Mortal. He would like let her play Mortal Kombat, <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh my god. He'd always
4: get his spine ripped out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> they're both look and they're like thinking about Eddie and they're like too soon. Aww. Oh.
3: And it's. I also find it very interesting that the um, the big reveal, the family in San Diego, the like mom, there's a there's a T Rex outside my window. They're arguing about like what's causing the boy to misbehave, and the dad's like, it's the dinner you fed him. Yeah. And he's like, it's this night, like it's the fish lamp that's not a real nightlight. He's a little kid. He deserves a nightlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then really like, oh no, this. Creature has eaten our dog. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's very... I don't know. I also really like it because this is the only action set piece where Jeff Goldblum like is really taken he's taken charge yeah really, like you can say that with the other ones but the T like the T-Rex chase in the waterfall he's not there yeah um, the tall grass it's it's running he's not su- like super yeah. adjacent I guess he holds a door like the um at the communication system like him hiding like he gets in the car hides the door against the raptors like yeah. ends up having to be saved himself yeah and this like the most action hero thing he's done in the entire movie is that I mean that, they
0: jump off into the water yeah
3: you know? But it's also, like, he has just a sick line where it's just, like, we're taking the kid. Not a dinosaur. You're treating it as a child, like a human child, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and you just tell him, like, oh, if you don't want us to take it, shoot us. And it's just, and he takes off, like, a cool guy. Yeah,
0: I know. He's in a cool car. Yeah. He's, like, in a cool red Corvette and or something. He still,
3: I swear, like, I'll go back and check. Maybe I'm imagining it, but I swear he was leaning back. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. His seat's fully leaned back. <laughs> yeah. Um... I know you're like this is what Joe, this is what Ian Malcolm does on his days off. Uh. Just cruises around in a red Corvette, yeah. Like. Or who knows? Maybe it's Sarah's car. Uh-huh. We don't know. I
3: I assume they stole the car. I assume it's some engine like board oh, member. Oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. goes back to my whole San Diego's in on it theory. Yeah, San
0: Diego's is, in on it. Just yeah.
3: like that's not. There's a lot of people. There's not that many people on a board, but some of them are
0: investors,
3: possibly investors slash city officials. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, we saw all those people at the uh-huh. waiting for the boat. Um and then that's where that movie starts. That's the that's the initial initial scene, scene. and then you see kind of like flashbacks to Uh all those different people in the crowd, the different officials and in-gen members and how they're all in on it. And this like San Diego version of the wire, but with (laughs) dinosaurs. <laughs> um, yeah,
3: uh, it also brings it back to that sort of like king kong comparison the og one where like that's two movies you have a skull island segment then you have the new york segment where this is clearly like oh this is the part where king kong is in new york as a scene i like 20 minutes i think that is totally unnecessary i really enjoy it yeah
0: yeah, yeah. well it's one of those things where i think like in again just having reread mm-hmm. the lost world recently i i get in because um, you know, by all accounts, Spielberg was basically like, hey, write, like Michael Crichton, do you mind writing another Jurassic Park book mm-hmm. that I can adapt for you? But I almost can get a sense I just almost get a sense that at least narratively, Spielberg is like reading The Lost World. And in this kind of story of humans and dinosaurs interacting, having dinosaurs go to the mainland is feels like the feels like it's putting a lot of the ideas in this film to like taking it to its fullest, like Potential. Yeah. And I and I can see by not having the dinosaurs get off the island it would like maybe it would feel redundant. And so I think probably.
3: Yeah. I don't know what the other ending is, is they get back to land and then it's a race to sort of like, we got to get these pictures to a news outlet. Dinosaurs do exist. Yeah. Versus engine throwing a whole bunch of money to discredit. Like Nick's Sarah and Malcolm. Yeah. Even further, no, what which is, is a bummer yeah. ending.
0: <laughs> no, you're right. What is the ending of this movie? If it's not uh, uh, the incident in San Diego, uh-huh. like what would be the version of this movie at least the version of the Lost World movie where yeah, where Ingen has all these people here, uh-huh. you know, because in the Lost World book it's just like Dotson from uh from the original Jurassic Park mm-hmm. with like a couple of cronies and they all get eaten because they're just trying to steal dinosaur <laughs> yeah. bugs in the book. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy for that to be like, you know, wiped off the page. But uh-huh. yeah, in this in this case there's tons of survivors in both camps, and so it's like Yeah. Yeah, you're right. This movie just ends in litigation. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and it's really interesting. Like, if they did go that route, if like engine is just sort of like we have to keep this silent, and like at that point you don't have a Jurassic World because
4: <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: which you know there's no like people don't have that wonder that sense of wonderment where even like if so many people died in San Diego, it also still like there's that draw of like but it's a dinosaur and there's dinosaurs out there.
0: Yeah, it's like Spielberg's way of like keeping the dream alive. Yeah, by like. It's the you know it's that push full pull of like the X Files all the time where mm. it's like you get a tease but you're not quite given the yeah yeah it's like Spielberg being like this thing can continue on
3: yeah
4: as I've said I like Lost World a lot because it's a darker movie it's a little bit more violent and and just like visually a lot of that movie takes place at night in a way that the first movie actually has a lot of daytime uh, scenes and that scene that everyone remembers which is the T-Rex drinking the pool water and then eating a dog is a very funny scene <laughs> because yeah. I mean, when the parents are bickering over a child who's come to their room saying there's a monster outside and they're arguing about, you shouldn't have put the fish in here. Like the light's going to scare him and stuff like that. And then it's a funny scene buttoned by the fact that a dinosaur just ate their dog, like a, a pretty traumatizing thing that is played as a big joke. Uh, I like that dichotomy in the movie.
0: Yeah, Spielberg has the ability to be cruel in ways that are very funny. I think.
4: Always my favorite Spielberg movies are always his movies that are more on the cruel but funny side. I don't like his movies that are just saccharine, that something like E.T., which I'm not a huge fan of, is like too family oriented. While like Lost World is like, oh, there's family moments, but then also like, people get ripped apart and, you know,
3: people, characters you like, they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, pretty harshly. I don't know. I'm really hung up on the idea that, like, they covered up the incident of the first Jurassic Park for, like, four years. that fa- And they, because um, Malcolm has that throwaway line about, like, oh, like, uh, referring to Lex and Tim about, like, yeah, are you telling them that that didn't happen to them? And, like, what that does to them psychologically. Yeah. Where? It's like you have this like incident, and there's all these rumors, and you're like a developing person, and you have to pretend for the good of your family's company.
0: that Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, and Ludlow doesn't seem like the kind of guy to make that any easier. Yeah, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, I, we paid for your school. What more do you Pretty want? Pretty much, you know? yeah.
3: It's, and I'm sure, like, your parents weren't even involved in this company anymore. You're just, I'm, I'm like your your second cousin. Yeah,
0: yeah um would you i mean his death scene is just so good
3: yeah it's funny like your your applica like your theory that he's been drunk makes all of his decisions make so much more sense yeah like, right especially when it's like baby like i need my I, like is the keeping keeping that dream alive of like no i'm going to save this company and yeah. i will be king of the board and i will be the toast of san diego <laughs> if i have my baby t-rex
0: the toast of San Diego. Yeah.
3: Which, if the whole point was just like, oh, all I need to do is bring back a couple dinosaurs. Like, why are you bringing back a... T- like, I feel there were other people, like so many engineers and scientists involved in engine designing the dinosaurs to begin with. Like, that must have been a huge chunk of the company. That they were like, here's some herbivores. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, also in, in the idea of like, you have to wonder that they probably had planned multiple trips to Easel yeah. Sorna. Like, but they sort of – I think it's just, again, the the idea of, like, Ludlow sort of being out of his depth uh-huh. and sort like, of seeing – he's like, oh, my gosh, we have access to, like, a fearsome predator, predator. that, like
3: – It's so you know- spectacular. It's so – yeah, it's literally the logo for Jurassic Park. Yeah, Heart.
0: right. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, yeah, it's just that thing where he, you know, bit uh-huh. off more than he can he chew. chew.
3: Yeah. And, again, like, his actions w- – like, straight to, like, him sitting down sad as the T-Rex goes in Rampage of San Diego, which, I don't know, I love that shot where he is sitting down sad, Sarah, like, crashes down into the scene, then like, Malcolm just pops in on the side yeah. as this, like, interrogation trifecta. It's, like, it's accompanying, like, all, like sadness and anger and just, like, we have to problem-solve right now.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, he's, like, a little kid, like, dangling his legs on the side of yeah. the dog. Like, oh, man, my dinosaur got away. Yeah. And, like... Um, just
3: the line, like, now you're John Hammond. So good. Which goes back to the parent thing. Like, yeah. you're just, like, your
0: father. Yeah. <laughs> Which- no, right? Yeah, yeah. This whole movie is just this cycle yeah. of like bad parenting
3: uh
4: and i like that i mean talking about another spielbergian moment of like how that how that short film ends is that ludlow is thrown into the caverns of the giant ship that's going to be sent back to Isla sorna to be eaten by a baby t-rex and its parent uh and it's like the music swells and it it still has that kind of like this is this is the uplifting ending we're having is a man being eaten.
0: <sighs> this is a good movie.
4: It's a great movie.
0: Um, <laughs> would you say that, um, I'm not going to ask if like you think one is better than the other or anything, but would you say, so then you would say this is the best sequel to Jurassic Park.
4: I'd say it's the best sequel to Jurassic Park. One of the best sequels in general. Like, in the way that people talk about Terminator 2, uh, maybe, like, eclipsing Terminator, which, I mean, you can debate. As far as sequels go, like, I really can't name, like, another sequel that makes me that satisfied, where I'm like, I still get the things that I want, because I want a movie that has dinosaurs, and that's what gets me excited for that. But it's not only that it, it takes it to the next level, with the dinosaurs being in San Diego, and... Uh, the uh, dinosaurs being hunted you see more you get to experience more and y- you get to see like more attacks and stuff like that it's it's a little grittier a little darker it's like what I wanted from a sequel of a movie with giant reptiles <laughs> uh, like and I and I I have that kind of hunger for those movies, which is obviously why I love something like Godzilla 98, which no one should love the 1998 Godzilla, but it gives me that dinosaurs. And I'm like, I just want more dinosaurs. I want I want more of them. I'll, I'll take anything that's a big reptile that's running around. I'll take it. So I defend movies like that because I'm like, well, it's giving me that thing that I want. And Lost World is just a pure sequel. It's like, here are the things you like. You like these animatronic dinosaurs? We're going to give them to you. You want, you know, you want to see raptors attacking people. We'll have gymnastics with it as well. Uh, Anything you want, you have it. And it, it gives me everything that I want.
5: Uh, a few years ago, um, I was living, um, I was living with someone and we had, um, our joint film collection together. Um, when you're living with someone, it becomes easy to, um, put your collections together and have like a nice huge display. Um, but I didn't have any copies of Jurassic Park at the time, so, um his copies of Jurassic Park became mine and luckily he had many. Um, So we had um, not only all of the toys that he had brought from his childhood home um, like I said he had like two boxes full. Um, So we had some of those toys set up um, around the room. We had um, just uh, I think two or three copies of each of the films um, including the Blu-ray copies and um, We had, um, well, before I continue this story, um, can I, can I mention drugs? Yeah, of course. Okay, great. Um, well, we took Mushrooms and watched The Lost World, and it was incredible, and helped me shape my opinion on that film. I already loved it. From being a kid, The Lost World was such a perfect follow-up for me when I was younger, and when I watched it on Mushrooms, I was so much more invested and so much more um, um, aware of all of the little nuanced things that were happening in the movie. Um, I just was just my mind was racing with all of these things I wanted to tell the characters but I couldn't and I was so worried for them. I was like these people don't know what's coming but I do and I was so scared for them. Um, but even, like, little parts in the movie, like, little moments of comic relief were, like, not enough to dissuade me from, like, how afraid I was for the characters. And uh, it completely changed, like, how I watch the movie now because I, I just get so tense in these moments where just, like, I know things are about to happen. Like, I know that camper is going to go off the cliff. And it's such a tense moment. But then Julianne Moore asks for a cheeseburger. And it, it's, everything's okay. But just the movie is so good, and being able to watch it in an altered state completely made it perfect for me, especially being able to do it with someone who loved Jurassic Park as much as I did.
0: What does is, what is something has survived mean to you?
3: what has something survived means to me
0: in the context of like, after watching this movie,
3: it's, that's not the tag I'm tagline. I'm taking away from it. It's like life finds a way is what I'm still taking away from it. It's the last lines of the movie. And it's this idea of like, going back to the parenting idea that you're going to work this out. Like you're going to go forward. And in a weird way, like combining that with like Ian Malcolm, who's out of his depth, you kind of get the vibe from his character. he doesn't necessarily want to be like he doesn't lo- he loves his daughter he just doesn't like doing all the dad stuff but the idea of oh it's gonna work out and like my offspring's gonna survive I don't yeah it's, I can say that better I apologize no no but <laughs> Well, no, it's this idea that, like, in terms of, like, you give you give life. You bring, you bestow life on something. You still have to take care of it. You still have to be responsible for it. And you still have to kind of suffer the consequences of your actions and what you sort of, like, imprint on them. And that can be applied to, like, child rearing. that can be applied to, like, bringing dinosaurs back to life.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
3: it's this idea that, like, they're going to grow up no matter what. Like, like life's going to find a way. Whether or not you want to be a part of that is up to you.
0: This has been episode six of See Jurassic Right. My guests on this week's episode and future episodes were Annie Wilkes. You can follow her on Twitter at Andulka Wilkes. Megan Baker. You can follow her on Twitter at Comedy Hipster. And Jessica Uncle. You can follow her on Twitter at Cylon. While episode seven drops one month from today, be on the lookout for a mini so dropping next Tuesday. I'll be playing voicemails and reading emails sent in from listeners like you and sharing some awesome Jurassic Park Halloween costumes. Tis the season. Also, be on the lookout for future minisodes and special segments as well. And you can now support Sea Jurassic Ride on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Jurassic Rite. Now, I have two questions for you. If you want to tweet at me, call in, or leave a voicemail before next month's show, these questions are, are John Hammond's Jurassic Park dinosaurs more monster than animal? And do you consider The Lost World Part 2 of a trilogy? Sixty five million years of waiting Will oh yeah well, all right Well oh yeah Well alright Well all right Now you can also interact with me in the show by following me on Twitter at Steven Ray Morris and following SJR Pod on Twitter, Ride on Instagram, Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at cJurassicWrite at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood, and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well, and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McLear, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right as an a podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
5: 55 million years of waiting.